With the PlayStation 5 and the Xbox Series X coming out at the end of 2020, this conversation about digital versus uh, physical games is definitely making a comeback, but we're going to switch things up a bit because we already talked about that on a previous episode where some of us, we don't care about the physical components and don't care about game collecting, but in my case, I love that. To me, it's like this personal touch, but... What about something like the PlayStation Classic, the Super Nintendo Classic, the NES Classic, these compilation emulation-based devices that, hey, some of these uh, PS1 Super Nintendo games, they go for hundreds or at least 50 to 60 bucks. But what about it's like, hey, Super Nintendo Classic, if you could buy one, 80 bucks, you get a couple of games. Is there that same emotional attachment uh, to a video game console like that? Or what other alternatives out there, if you want to relive the past, we're going to be talking about that on a cast of the past with a brand new episode coming at you each and every Sunday with, with yours truly. Juanville is very sad and proud of what I just did there, but I'm also joined by very sad and proud from London, That's Ontario, me. Mr. Keith Hamilton. I am the saddest but yet I am the proudest. You, Without a you know, question. Like, you know, like, proud and powerful from AEW? Of course. Yeah, if I had their theme, it would be, if I wasn't sad, then I wouldn't be prideful. If I wow. wasn't sad, then I wouldn't be... Okay, we People, need to. video games. <laughs> video games. We gotta, we gotta talk about that. Man, when you think about this topic of, you know, some people uh, maybe get into a, a console like the PS4, or even like when the PS5 comes out, but maybe they haven't played the PS3, the PS2, but you get these combinations, like once again, the Super Nintendo Classic, that you don't have to overcomplicate yourself and buy the console, figure out different ways to actually get it to work on your high definition television, comes with the controllers, comes with the games, it's the one-stop shop. Do you get that same sense of satisfaction with something like that, as opposed to actually buying the game, putting the disc or putting the cartridge in? I think absolutely, but I say that with the asterisks of if it's done right, because there have been cases in the past few years of like, yes, these boss, these boxes exist. There's a great collection of games, but the actual execution of it has been extremely poor. If you're watching the video version, yes, I am talking about the PlayStation Classic. So if they manage to pull it off and it plays like the game that um, it's supposed to be, then absolutely, I think it's fine because it doesn't matter if you've gone through the motions of buying a Super Nintendo, finding a cartridge copy of A Link to the Past, getting it working on your television, and then playing the game. Guess what? If you turn it on on the SNES Classic, it's the same game. You're playing the exact same experience. So beyond the actual like personal pride of accomplishing that goal, I think it's extremely similar. And if you don't feel that, if that's not something that's important to you, then these uh, consoles that have come out, these classic consoles are perfect for that. So I think that one of the reasons that I wanted to do this episode specifically with you is because from the physical versus digital standpoint, you and I are very different. Where yeah, I'm all digital, baby. Exactly. And I'm the complete opposite, where I just still like to buy the physical games. Now, here's like a, a, like a I don't want to say common ground, but there's a physical device, right? You're buying the Super Nintendo Classic, which mm -hmm. comes with uh, 20 games, the, the NES one. There's the Sega Genesis. And we're going to talk about like the analog, uh, the Superboy. I don't know if you've heard about, do you know what a Superboy is, Keith? 
Uh, no, I, I don't. I don't even have a joke for it. I just don't know what it is. <laughs> I saw you for two seconds. I'm like, I don't know if I should go to other routes, but okay. <laughs> so the first thing we got to point out is tying into this is the concept of video game emulation, more so than digital mm-hmm. versus physical, because di- digital, it's still technically the same game, and hypothetically, it performs the same way. Now, It's different than emulation. So I guess to define emulation here, it is when something plays on hardware that it wasn't natively designed for. Like if you, even if you're playing an SNES game on a Switch, I still think that that's emulation. It is because a good example, for example, uh, is the, the on the PS4, the, the Nintendo Switch, you have that Sega Genesis Classics collection, but that doesn't perform the exact same way as the original console does because let's not forget that back in the day, we had CRT televisions, which meant that the input latency of those televisions was far less, where nowadays you have high-definition televisions, so you're running on an, on an HDMI cable, and a lot of these games have like a, a tiny delay that for a casual person, especially somebody that didn't play the game back in the day, they may not notice a, a damn thing worth of a difference. But somebody that did play back in the day may notice, especially like all of these classic consoles have that exact same problem. And when I saw it in a video, it bothered me, which is the sound is like just a, a like a second in, in a delay. So, mm-hmm. you know, when you it's hit an enemy... The- it's the argument that I just can't wrap my head around as somebody that doesn't really care about it. But the way that people lose their shit about scan lines on a CRT, I just don't understand it. And this obsession with trying to emulate scan lines, like who cares? Ted people here just like started crying right now or something. But <laughs> I'm sorry, I, I just don't get it. <laughs> no, it, here's the thing is like, I do get it. It's not something for me because to me, when I think about, you know, any game on like Contra 3 or Donkey Kong Country, right? Something like that. I just want to play that. To me, the whole concept of recreating the entire experience of like the CRT, I've done that. Like last year, I had a 90s themed birthday with my wife and we actually downscaled the... We had a Super Nintendo Classic. I bought an HDMI to composite converter. That's right. To make it look worse. And I connected that. I went to a Salvation Army. I bought a 10 to $15 huge 60-pound CRT TV, and I connected it there. This, those scan lines, like, you actually forget how nice they look until you have the television in your face. Now, is that something I need every day? No, it was more of a novelty thing. But a lot of these emulation devices, it's not just about buying the game. Sometimes they give you, like, a safe state, rewind feature, some things that were not in the original console um, out of any of these, have you actually bought any of the classic consoles? Uh, I haven't, mostly because um, like I really, really wanted an SNES classic, but the um, like the demand for it around the holiday season that uh, it came out left it impossible to find, at least where I live. So by the time that things became in stock, I ended up like that's when Nintendo's uh, the Super Nintendo Online came out for Nintendo Switch, and knowing that most of these experiences would end up uh, there any. Anyway, I never really took the plunge, but I really wanted an SNES Classic, and that's probably the one that one day I am just going to splurge on and keep it on a shelf. Not necessarily to play the games, but just to have it on a shelf. 
I think it's also the accessibility. Like, let's be real. Most people mod them. I have a, I have a Super Nintendo Classic. I probably modded mine. Um, podcast aside, right? Like, uh, we really do enjoy going back to the past. It's in. It's literally in the damn name, people. Otherwise, mm-hmm. it'd be a little this bit difficult. This is a podcast to the past. We exactly. take you to the past weekly, every Sunday, with a if brand think new about episode. It, it's like the most unoriginal podcast name. It's just like <laughs> the most literal ass name we could come up with. But how often do you actually play? Like in, in 2020, you know, we're, we're recording this in June. Aside from a podcast episode or topic that we've covered here, how often have you gone back to play anything between like NES to, let's go, PlayStation 2? I don't do it as much these days, but it's mostly because of the podcast, because every time that I load something up, I think to myself like, oh, we'll probably cover it someday. So I don't want to play too much of it. But from that, I do often just take um, like I'll find a game, I'll um, acquire it and then I'll play like five minutes of it, check it out and go, okay, well, that was cool. And that's kind of where I leave it. And that's the side of emulation that I think is okay, especially if it's something that you own and you're just finding ways to conveniently play it, like to go through all this trouble, like say I wanted to hook an SNES up to my um, to my TV. Um, I go through the trouble. I find a cartridge. I find a game. Let's say it's an obscure game. Like I used to play a lot of Super Bomberman 2 back in the day. It's a game that I got for a birthday and I love the hell out of it. If I wanted to play a copy of Super Bomberman 2 on a television on like a regular SNES, that's a lot of trouble. And between all the parts and the cartridge, I'm looking at somewhere of around $100. I'm spending $100 to play like 10 minutes of it and go, well, okay, well, I'm good and get that experience. That's not really worth it. So I think in a lot of ways, that's where emulation becomes a more beneficial experience to have these experiences, relive them in these little bite-sized pieces, unless you're like really wanting to go back and play a game. Like there are a few that I think like fall on a list of these are games you should go back and play every couple of years. But the thing is like... A game on that list for me is Super Mario World. It's one of the first things we covered on the podcast. I still love going back and playing Super Mario World. In my head, why would I go get that whole SNES like system experience set up when I can just play it on Nintendo Switch Online? There's no point. And that's, and that's emulation. And emulation is just so convenient these days that it really, unless that is the thing you want to do, if that is the experience that you are aiming for and you are, you are in that deep on it, that's really the only time that I think that you go about doing that. And there, that's the only reason to go about doing that. And I think the transition now is that emulation has been around for well over two decades. This is nothing new. And uh, many people's computers and almost, I would say almost any, if you have a smartphone, you can play Super Nintendo games on it. Maybe you can't mm-hmm. do PS2, but maybe even does like a PlayStation Portable. I so, played Pokemon Snap in a browser at one point. Yeah, It's so oh, hard I, to yeah. wrap my head around. <laughs> so... I think the natural transition became a lot of people that wanted to relive their childhood. And even though a computer technically runs that, 
I think it's also like a, you have to tie in that I know a lot of people that, you know, you and I play games on PC because you can plug in a controller on PC, but some people yeah. like that. Some people like having a, a box that is not their computer, not a Windows machine. Some people prefer like here's a PS2, my, like a PS3. Here's my Xbox PC controller. Here's my PS4 PC controller. Exactly. So... A lot of people, though, I've explained to that, hey, you have something like Steam. This is not an emulation thing, but we're going to get to why I'm mentioning this. You have Steam, you can plug in a controller, and hypothetically, it's the same experience as a console, whereas video game, television, or monitor, and controller. But some people like to have a smaller box of that. So maybe you can play Super Mario World on the Nintendo Switch. It's part of that service. But some people like the psychological aspect of having a Super Nintendo Classic or the most uh, common example now is a retro pie, Raspberry Pi. For those who don't know, the Raspberry Pi is a very, very tiny computer. I, I don't have it here for the video version, but imagine the palm of your hand, not your entire hand, the palm of your hand. It is that big and uh, the most recent version is capable of playing up to the Sega Dreamcast. So I have a Raspberry Pi. I modded one of those RK one-up machines and I can play up to a Dreamcast. I have over 6,000 games in that machine. It's insane. Like this tiny thing that is the size of the palm of my hand. And even though I can play all of these games right here, I think people love the aspect of you turn something on and it's the game machine as opposed to hey, here's my computer where maybe I also work, I edit, I do all of this. Oh, and it also plays games. Like, do you kind of see why some people, like that's why they love having like that, that small device that is only about playing. Even if it's emulated, it's still the, the gaming machine. Oh, absolutely. I 100% get it and I 100% respect it. It's just barely for me. I'm not going to say it's not for me because, like I said, there is going to come a day where I own an SNES Classic. And at one point, I did have a Raspberry Pi as well. I don't know where it is anymore. It's in a box somewhere. But it's – I understand it and I respect it. But it's just kind of like it, – it It all comes down to convenience for me. Because even this, uh, this example that you had that you got the – what is it? The one-up machine you said it was? Yeah, the RK one-up, which the is RK like one a one-fourth size arcade cabinet yeah so now you're you're factoring in the raspberry pi which was what eighty dollars give yep. or take the arcade machine which is upwards of i bought it on sales 200 bucks at that point so, so 200 dollars plus and the it modded space. the joysticks and all that Exactly. So, once you start to think about price, and once you start to think about all of that, and then plus Keith, the are physical you space, logic to this? I, I try to apply logic to problem? everything I do. So, like, again, that's kind of where it falls off for me. Like, I have a lot of respect for it. I have a lot of respect to, to be able to say, like, this is the machine I want to do. This is my hobby. This is my end goal. I respect the living hell out of that. And if that is your thing do not hesitate if it makes you happy go do it i just don't it's not for me i'm so happy for the second part of the episode so i knew that keith is not like this is a scene that i do like i mean i have a youtube channel for which i talk about wii u and ps3 in 2020 so like i am the person that likes the the curiosity and the different devices so keith pretty much doesn't know about all of this 
Uh, for the audio uh, version, I'm going to try my best to describe what I'm about to show Keith, which is we talked about the retro consoles that are officially licensed. So like Super Nintendo Classic and all of that. I'm going to talk about things that go even deeper into this topic and it's and it's emulation. But we're, we're OK, I'm, I'm going to Keith, do you know about the Retron 5? I'm assuming that one you know about. I right? do. Actually, hold on. Wait, you have one? Okay, people like, I, I this, this is happening live. Keith has a damn Retron 5. What? I have a Retron with Super Bomberman 2 in it because <laughs> I used that me? specific... I used that specific example earlier because that's something that I did at one point in my life. I got that all set up and ended up landing on the Retron. And that's the moment that I sat down and did it is when I realized that it wasn't for me. So it's not just me like shaking my head and saying, no, 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 no. Like it's a path I've gone down and just wasn't a fan of. So just in case, first of all, that was not planned. I'm serious. <laughs> Secondly, uh, so the Retron. Uh, the uh, Retron, they have many. One of them has only uh, Genesis support and all that. But the Retron 5 has 10 different systems, including uh, Game Boy, Game Boy Color, Game Boy Advance, NES, Super Famicom, all that stuff. But what's interesting is it is a physical device, as in it has a whole bunch of slots that you can put things right into people. And you put in the physical cartridges of these games but it is emulation. It's not FBGA-based. It's not recreating the original hardware, and we're going to get to that. So generally speaking, Keith, I know convenience aside and the fact that, I mean, it's like a middle ground where instead of plugging in 20 different consoles, or in this case, 10, sure, you still have a pain in the ass process, but um, what do you think about the uniqueness? Like, imagine... Uh, 12 to 15 year old Keith and you're given a Retron 5 what would your reaction have been at that moment where one console uh 10 systems that could play one I think it's awesome from the aspect of it's something that you can go back and relive all of these experiences and if you're talking about somebody that doesn't care about the scan lines and the exact recreation of it it's an awesome tool to just be able to get a like get to experience the experience of those video games and it's not having to go out and pick up a ton of systems you can focus more on the cartridges and play all these games that you played as a kid or have heard about and all these great experiences it it gets kind of rid of that it makes the um it makes it more accessible where you're taking out that extreme layer of having to go pick up the consoles it's kind of an all-in-one box and it's uh it's a very i guess it's a very good starting point i would consider the retron the best starting point for emulation if you're interested in actually owning the physical media and there's another benefit where a lot of games did not come out in north america and for example, with the Retron 5 and other consoles like this one, you can actually uh, patch the game. So if people made a, a custom patch for the game, then you can play it in English. And what it does it is it dumps the ROM. So you put in the, the, the cartridge, it copies it to the console, and then it plays it. Is it 100% as in is it, is it visually a performance uh, like exactly like the original console? It's like 99 point something. It's not quite it. It costs about 120. It goes up and down a lot. But that's one example. Uh, so, okay. So, Keith, at least you have at some point you were curious enough to try that. Now, I mm -hmm. got to bring up the Superboy because this is actually going way back and there's been multiple revisions of this one. 
and I cannot wait to get your reaction. So imagine, Keith, if you could play Super Nintendo games on the go. How, how does that sound? Wait, like Super Nintendo cartridges? Exactly. What? So the Superboy, and this is actually one of the older physical emulation devices. For those, imagine a huge-ass Super Nintendo controller with a screen in the middle, and in the back, you can put in uh, Super Nintendo or Super Famicom cartridges. And on the left and right at the front, there are actual uh, controller ports where you can That's plug insane. in uh, actual original Super Nintendo controllers. And you can buy this today. Uh, the price, this is on Amazon right now. Let me just check. Uh, the it's price ridiculous. on Amazon is, uh, okay, like uh, pandemic, at, pandemic time is a bad one to see because like all of this stuff is going for a lot. But I'm seeing an average of like 100, 100 to 150. Keith, what do you think about the Superboy? It's a really cool thing. If you want to go down that path, it's, hey, if you ever want to play a Super Nintendo game and get the authentic experience, that's a really cool way to do it. And the fact that it's portable makes it quite accessible. So okay, when, I'm, when you say I'm glad portable, this exists. I mean, look at the size. Let's be real. Like, it is a... So yeah, imagine, let me let me let me look at my Carter. Yeah, we're, we're, my we're copy of Super Bomberman Two here. I'm trying to like just imagine it. So it can't be much bigger than a Switch, right? It, it's pretty. Th it's more like the th okay. Here's a for the Vito version. Here's a picture of the back. It is a thick boy. So it's that got a, a fit of cartridges boy. in the back. <laughs> it is a Super Boy. So that's a thing. That's a thing. So. Oh, that, that is an option. I want to present another one. This one is very, very recent. And um, this one is also very custom. It's cartridge-based. We're going to be talking about the Evercade. The Evercade has not even been out for three months as of this recording. It is a small emulation-based device, and the Superboy is as well. So it's not original hardware. It is emulation. This is emulation as well. Here's the thing. It, it includes... You buy compilation cartridges with it so they're releasing new cartridges today like nowadays you get the the evercade which is a pretty small emulation device it comes with the d-pad four buttons i think it's got shoulder shoulder buttons as well but you play a compilation of 8-bit games primarily so games from the data east games like double dragon and all that but there are physical game cartridges that come inside their box with manuals and uh <laughs> I cannot wait. I I just need to know your reaction, Keith. What do you think of this? How is it priced? I know I'm kind of putting you on the spot here. Like so, the console it, pricing, uh, it is eighty dollars, and it comes with one one like general compilation cartridge, and then the other cartridges, at least on the website, is twenty dollars, and each one includes like anywhere. Uh, from six to eight games. And remember, these are mainly games like River City Ransom, uh, Double Dragon, uh, a lot of old, old school games. So this is before <laughs> even Super Nintendo. That's really cool. If they're, if the cartridges are worth the value that they're priced at, I think that's a really neat thing and kind of goes, it's almost like taking what I was saying about the Superboy and taking it to an extreme where now you're not having to find that physical media, but now you're looking at a compilation of old games. So it kind of gives you like, it gives you a bunch of games from a developer that may have some notoriety behind them and it gives you an easy way 
way to check them out. So I think that's a great example of emulation and how it can be beneficial in 2020 and help keep these games alive. Because if there is one thing that emulation needs to be commended for, it is how it has sparked life into these old games that would have been lost to time. I'm looking at it on the um, on the website for the Evercade, but imagine a game like Clay Fighter. Clay Fighter was a game that I loved, loved so much as a kid. There was a point in my life where I enjoyed it more than a Mortal Kombat. You're never going to see Clay Fighter on an SNES Classic because it's not on that level of game. It's probably like in the top 100 near the bottom of the best SNES games, in my opinion. But with something like this, with a package like this, you have the ability to easily play Clay Fighter in 2020. And that's awesome. And, and the cool and thing is it's actually got HDMI out, which I forgot to mention. So not only can you play this on the go, but there is an HDMI out. You can play that on your television. And I stand corrected because Clay Fighter is a Super Nintendo game. So uh, they do span past that. They even have like an Interplay Collection 2. Yeah, I love which playing includes Clay Fighter Sway Goo back in the day. And there was Tiny. He was a wrestler. Tiny was awesome. Man, Tiny. Okay, now uh, here's here's the transition. So analog. And this episode was inspired by the one that you listened to with Ryan and myself, where we talked about handheld gaming. That one's available in the archives. Analog is one of these boutique companies, if you will, uh, Mr. Hamilton, where they realized there is a market for people that love to play retro games in modern televisions, but they recognize that getting those games to look and perform when it's not emulation-based on their television running, at, running that well is a pain in the ass. So they recreate the original hardware. So this is not 99% emulation. This is full-on uh, recreating the hardware for the original devices and as you can imagine, just based on the pictures on the video version, that comes at a premium price. So these things cost $200, $300. Um, now, Keith is going to have a heart attack on that one. So I'm, I'm going to pull you back because I want to bring up the one that I know you are kind of like, hey, that's actually interesting. This one has not come out yet. And uh, we got to talk about the analog pocket. So they've done this for the Genesis Mega Drive Super Nintendo, the analog pocket is going to play a variety of retro games for the, 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 the handheld devices. So Game Boy, Game Boy Color, Game Boy Advance, Atari Lynx, and the price is going to be $200. The screen, and this is, I got to say it again, not a sponsor. It sounds like I'm selling this, but I'm legit excited <laughs> about this. The screen is 10 times the resolution of the original, cons uh, the GBA, 10 times the original resolution there's going to be a dock for HDMI out. So $200 may seem like a couple of bucks. I went to eBay. I was wondering how much a Game Boy Advance, uh, Game Boy Advance SP goes for used. 130 So all of a sudden, you're like, wait a minute. I mean, this plays a bunch of stuff. Original physical cartridges, 100%, non-emulation. What do you think about something like this that you can also plug in? You can use a Bluetooth controller with the dock uh, because of the pandemic. We don't know when it's going to come out, but I'm probably going to buy one. Uh, what do you think about something like this? It's a really cool option that like, again, it all depends what um, what level you are of this. Like this is 
it's the perfect option for somebody that if they want to recreate those experiences and are willing to pay a premium to do so, like everything you need is in it. And it's really cool. Um, it's like if I were to get into that, that's the type of thing that I would look into where it's actual recreation of the experience. And for someone like yourself that really is, wants that, I'm really happy that that, um, that, that exists for Thank you. you. And, and I'm, I'm probably going to ask you to tell me all about it, but just to know, like, just to know how it is and if it satisfies that niche. But for that niche, it's a perfect thing. I think uh, the the reason we really wanted to work on this episode is that whether you're somebody that is obsessed with these different uh, devices, whether it be the boutique ones like the analog, or maybe you just want a, a, Sony, a, a Super Nintendo Classic modded, put a bunch of games in it. As Keith mentioned, the fact that a lot of people, if these things did not exist, maybe they would never play Super Nintendo games. If the Super Nintendo Classic, like, I would love to see data of how many people, if they didn't do that, they would never play Super Mario World. So I think right? it is commendable. And that's a crime. Yeah, no, it should be illegal. People <laughs> should be arrested for that. So yeah. I think that Here's... it's just a matter of the, just emulation is important. Exactly. Here's the pretty little bow on this episode of whether you're going all the way into it and trying to recreate the actual experience, or if just doing emulation on a system like an SNES Classic is good for you. It is creating ways to cherish these video games that have been around for 20, 30 years and keeping them alive. And really, that is what emulation is great for, no matter where you fall on that spectrum. It's something that needs to be around and in a lot of ways, legally needs to be protected. That's uh, maybe the the best way to put it because there is that legal component but i mentioned this in our physical digital debate which is you can still go to walmart or amazon or anything buy an old dvd from the 80s like a movie from the 80s on dvd and it plays on most of your devices but that is not the case for video games more often than not you need the original consoles like uh, the ps5 maybe there's ps4 support but you still need to plop in that PS2 or that PS1 or anything like that. So I think that as time goes on and these devices become more accessible and the emulation gets better for more modern devices, you know, even the PS, uh, the PS3 now, you can emulate in glorious like 4K 60 FPS sometimes. But even then, because the PS3 was such insane hardware, it's difficult to emulate. It's not as easy. So you get the big games that everybody's working towards fixing and making sure work. But there are some things that inevitably will be lost to time because just nobody took the time to do it. And it's unfortunate. It is unfortunate, but not unfortunate is this episode, people. I I'm really happy we got a chance to work on this. So we would it was love a to good have discussion. Yeah, well, it was good. Well, you know, words were said, Keith. So, like, if people did not want words, but they wanted text, we have a Discord channel for that, which you actually write there, right? 
That's true. It's the one part of social media that I constantly use. So head over to acastofthepast.com slash discord, join our discord, and then come discuss all the things we discuss there. I'm saying discuss a lot. So if you want to talk about video games, if you want to weigh in on how you feel towards emulation, and if I'm right, if I'm wrong, let us know there. We have a great community that loves talking about old games there. Old movies, old music, current music, wrestling, food if you're making delicious food you need to post it there and make us all hungry and jealous i'm currently in the process of looking to buy a smoker so i can make everybody Ooh, jealous there that's good. so stay tuned for that because that entire story and saga will be on the discord it shall be there so everybody uh you know the deal if you enjoy this podcast the best way you can support is by either subscribing on the youtube channel youtube.com slash acast of the past you can also leave a five-star review on Twitter, which is the same thing, a cast of the past. We're posting some clips as well on Facebook, as well as Facebook. So uh, if you just want to grow the community, maybe you know a friend or, or somebody, maybe your dog or cat, maybe, or even big retro gamers, uh, it's a good opportunity to just share that. So up until next time, we will be back with another exciting episode of a cast to the past. Peace. Retro gaming, physical cartridges, man. They're expensive, but I, I may get into cartridge-based collecting in the future, but it's its a little expensive. Heaven help you, my friend. I'm going to stick to like up to PS1. I think Honestly, that's cheap enough. Like today, I wanted to play Pokemon, but the cartridge is downstairs because Mario Party's in my Switch and I got pissed off about it. Like I'm all digital. That is true. That is true.